Reverend Dr. Matt Hook, the senior pastor of Dexter United Methodist Church in Dexter, Michigan, is our closer. Matt is a graduate of DePaul University Garrett Evangelical Theological Seminary and Asbury Theological Seminary. <laughs> he has been the much beloved leader at Dexter United Methodist Church for 18 years. His passion for worship, preaching, and missions has helped the church reach the local community and then extend its reach nationally and globally. Matt has served as a leader with World Methodist Evangelism, where he has led worship services and workshops. One of Matt's greatest passions is his relationship with Healing the Children, an organization that helps kids from outside the U.S. receive critical medical care at the University of Michigan, Mott's Children's Hospital in Ann Arbor. Over the years, he and his wife, listen to this, over the years, he and his wife, Lee, have hosted nine children in their home so they can receive the medical care they desperately need. That's the heart you're about to hear. Will you welcome Matt to the stage? <laughs> Greetings from Michigan to all of you all over the world, the Great Lakes State. I don't know about you, but when I was younger, I thought quicksand was going to be a much bigger problem in my life. <laughs> How could it not? It was on every TV show in the day. Is it, is it me, or, or does nobody disappear in the Bermuda Triangle much anymore? <laughs> there is so much fear of the unknown right now. And I know because I've got my own sense of it. So much uncertainty in greeting people that I've known through the years here. I've heard some of that. And it's made me go, huh. And it's made me want to sing that song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. And the verse that goes before it is that much better than the chorus. But if Jesus is who he says he is, we can risk joy in the midst of uncertainty. We can run with perseverance. And I am interested in how we go from this place today as we run our race with him as more than conquerors. Would you bow your heads with me? Holy Spirit, Take my lips and speak through them. Take our thoughts and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for you. Unless you speak, nothing of significance will be spoken. Bring us your word, Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, my first exposure to the global nature of the Methodist movement was in, back in the 1900s. 1992 to be exact, <laughs> in Old East Germany, in Herrnhut, Herrnhut, Germany, kind of near Dresden. This was just after the Berlin Wall had come down. That was such an amazing time, wasn't it? There's three things I will never forget from this evangelism institute we went on with World Methodist Evangelism. The first one I'm desperately trying to forget, and that is in this beautiful little hotel in Herrenhut, which is the home of the Moravian Church, who 
had a huge impact on the launching and the birthing of the Methodist movement, Dr. Eddie Fox and George Morris running back and forth down the hallway, pulling pranks on each other the whole week in the old hotel, stealing each other's towels and clothes and locking each other out of their rooms. I'm still recovering from that. But two things that are even more powerful, <laughs> way more powerful. One was the coming together after the wall came down of these young college students from Prague who had come to the living faith in Jesus because of Bibles smuggled behind the Iron Curtain. People taking their lives in their hands to get Bibles to the college students. But what was even more beautiful was the admiration that these very cool young college students had for the old East German babushka ladies, the ones that, wore, that wear the babushkas around their heads, who were the above-ground suffering Christians, thwarted in their ability to get jobs much beyond menial labor because they were part of what was still the government-controlled churches. And yet, these women who were dusting the altars were praying. And guess who outlasted whom? Stalin or the old babushka ladies? <laughs> these old babushka ladies would hold birthday parties every week with the young moms and the children. They had a lot of birthdays to celebrate, but what were they doing really? They were doing Bible study and sharing Christ in their homes. But I got to witness this incredible handoff of this faith, this coming together convergence, but it was really a handing off from these elderly women, powerful women, to these young college students. And seeing the perseverance of those women who were young girls when the Iron Curtain went up hit me hard. That is my story. That is my song. We really are more than conquerors. That I am part of a giant, growing, risk-taking, persevering movement of the Holy Spirit. Not just part of a tired old, wringing our hands, how are we going to get young people in our church movement. And that changed me. World Methodism changed me. When I saw myself and I saw my churches as part of this giant relay. If you think about it, we are never not in a relay. And 30 years later, once more, the message of our lives is on the line. Because like it or not, you're part of the relay. But relays, we got to remember are won or lost in the handoff. We are called to hand off nothing less than the good news gospel of Jesus. And this is so vital because when it comes to running this race, when it comes to going from here back into wherever you came from, running this race, it's not how you start but it's how well you finish that counts. Say this with me. By God's grace, I want my last lap, God's grace, I want my last lap 
to be as strong as my first lap. Amen. And like Paul wrote, let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up, he said to the Christ followers in Galatia. Because it's true, in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer, not in our strength, but through him who loved us. And as we go from this place today, Hebrews 12 takes it literally a step further. Listen to these very familiar words. Therefore, after the whole hall of faith chapter, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. As we go, we run with a great cloud of witnesses. The heroes of the faith from Hebrews chapter 11, from Abel and Enoch and Sarah, all the way down the line to those they name who were recently being mocked and scourged and killed. Jesus himself faced cancel culture before it was even a thing. This cloud, though, we've got to remember, this cloud is not the saints in heaven looking down on us, cheering us. That's nowhere in the Bible. They've got way better things to do in heaven. But these witnesses show us the value of a life of faith that is now ours to run. And we see in them what it looks like to be a champion in Christ. And so the author of Hebrews says, throw off everything that hinders. Throw off the sin that so easily entangles. As we move forward, we want to travel far, so we must travel light. The Holy Spirit is inviting somebody right now to let go, to get rid of, to throw off something from your life right now. Get rid of it. The Holy Spirit wants you to run without that habit anymore. To run without that debt or that fear now. Get rid of that in your life. Maybe you're running and you're being weighed down and being hindered by your comfort level or your safety. And it's preventing you from running. Maybe... You need to let go of the way that you react to situations. Why is it that it's so much easier to act like a Christian than it is to react like one? <laughs> now, he says, run. Run with perseverance. Oh, that word. Perseverance, that means you're going to be running up against something. You don't need all that stuff dragging you down anymore. We know as conquerors in Christ that it is not a jog. That it is not a sprint, it's a marathon. Are you committed for the long haul? 
Here's something interesting. The Greek word for race that the author uses here is agona. Agona. What does that sound like? Agony? Yeah. I'm a sprinter. We dwarves are very dangerous close quarters. First off, this takes great effort to keep going. I did CrossFit for a while. Um, I just got too tired of all the millions of versions of squats. But it is 90% a mental game. It is 90% mental strength. Great effort, endurance takes that. Now, you may be walking wounded because of what's happened in your life, but this is the word for you. Run. Run. You, 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 run. You run with endurance. You don't ever give up. Run as more than a conqueror. Run to the people who need to hear the message that you are in the process of handing off because God has placed you in their lives for such a time as this. You run like a prodigal father running for a prodigal son. You run like Mary from the tomb to tell his disciples as the first evangelist that Jesus is not there anymore. You run like John, who we know outran Peter, to the tomb. He had to slip that in. You run. When was the last time you saw a grown person run? There is a sense of urgency that we must leave here with, that we are called by God in Scripture to have, and it's to run. Now, however long it takes We run. Let nothing stop you. Not your uncertainty, not your fear, not your anxiety, not your frustration or your anger. We don't know what the future holds, but we know who holds the future. And his name is Jesus. And remember too, whatever happens, ain't nobody getting that body back in that tomb. Nobody is getting Jesus back in the tomb. So church... (laughs) He says, we're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. Lay aside the garbage and run with perseverance the race set out before you, fixing our eyes on who? Jesus. He is the founder of your faith. He is the founder of this movement. I didn't invent my calling, and neither did you, neither did Maxie or Keith or anybody else. For me, it was on a subway in New York City when I was looking to be rich and famous, looking around at everybody, wondering how many of them have the confidence I have, knowing that the creator of the universe cares about him personally. I thought they, be- they need to know, and I- that means I better get started. It was Jesus. And Jesus, not only my author and founder and finisher of my faith, he is my next breath. I want to be that dependent on him. And I'm going to need breath, especially if I am seeking to run the race that he has set out before me. And Hebrews goes on. We fix our eyes on Jesus, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Do you know what that is? That's Easter. That's, that'll preach on Easter. I don't know about Mother's Day tomorrow, but it'll preach on Easter. (laughs) You know, I've heard this season called um, the Paul and Barnabas moment. Somebody in this room said, if they even know what that means. 
I've heard someone, uh, it occurred to me with the protocol and everything, why do we have to be the ones to leave? That maybe this is a Solomon cutting the baby in two moment. No, you take the child. But you know what? I'm beginning to think now this is more of an Easter moment. I'm not interested in resuscitation. I never really watch more than about five episodes of Walking Dead. I'm not interested in resuscitation. I am interested in resurrection. Resurrection means game on for all things Christian all over the world. But you will never ever run this race if you don't fix your eyes on Jesus when the world is screaming at you to turn your eyes somewhere else. Don't you know you will serve your people better fixed on Jesus? He's the best we got. He's what we need at the end of the day and in the middle of the race. My question is, how do you think Jesus felt on Easter? Surprise. Aha. Gotcha. Maybe awe or maybe hope. But scripture tells us, our scripture tells us, underlying each of these emotions is something more, and it's joy. My youngest daughter's named Joy. I love joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. But how is joy possible? How could Jesus face all the things wrong in his world, let alone with his disciples, and still hold on to joy and still be emotionally real? And how can you and I feel joy in the midst of everything, in the midst of pain, loneliness, politics, parties, people, invasions, crises, tragedies, schisms, loneliness, not to mention church board meetings? It is not because Jesus turned a blind eye to human suffering. And neither do we. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the Father Almighty, the throne. Joy, sheer joy. And here's, here's where um, I dug in. Sheer joy comes from nothing more than an act of love completed. That's the best definition I know of joy. Love, when it's completed, looks like and feels like joy. Jesus, in John 15, 13, told his disciples, greater love has no one than this, that you lay down your life for your friends. And now he'd done it. In the resurrection, Jesus saw his love completed, even in his shameful, painful, agonizing death for our sakes. Thus, when it was over, there was nothing left but joy. It's for the joy set before him. Because he had seen his love all the way through. And that's the baton that we have received. And that's the baton that we offer the world. We are here because the world needs to know about the God of resurrection and new life who has poured his spirit on us. You know, it was, it was uh, September 11, 2018, where I woke up completely at peace with the, the St. Louis thing looming and it changed my life. And God was just cracking up at me saying, when were you gonna trust me? And it was that day. He's been there. He's lived it to the point of death. Jesus saw it all the way through. Joy is love seen all the way through. You do not have to hide it. You don't have to feel like it's in the wrong place. There's nothing awkward about it. 
It is love complete. And another word for that is victory. Victory is mine. So why don't we live like joy? That joy in 2022, maybe it's the cost. We just can't believe that's what it takes. And that has a whole new meaning now that uh, things are off the table. Maybe it's the cost of what joy took. Maybe it's because all we see is a dead end. Like the women coming to anoint Jesus' body in the tomb. I love that they were going to go and somehow, um, they weren't even worried about the Roman soldiers. They're worrying about the stone. They're taking on the soldiers. (laughs) Let's face it. It is hard to know joy when all you see is a dead end. Like those women. But church, God does something crazy, and we've heard about it all day long. God goes beyond the dead end. God says, no, this is ground zero, and everything changes now. God goes beyond the grave. Matthew says the angel rolled the stone away and sat on it. How's that for joy? As you go from here, remember joy is big. Remember, the race is long, running, persevering, and my goal is that you never think of joy as shallow again. So what if in the midst of everything we risk, the votes, the meetings, the planning, all of it, communications, what if in the midst of everything we risked joy? What if you and I see love all the way through? Imagine what our world would like, when, what this time of transition would look like if we were the ones who made joy our major commodity, not anger, underlying our actions and our relationships, fixing our eyes on Jesus, even as we set out in a new way, making the handoff and finishing strong, because no one, no one can take that joy from you. It simply cannot be stopped, because God's love can never be stopped part way. Jesus is alive and he's given us love all the way through. And now I say, that's joy. Let's run for it. Amen. Matt Hook wrapping up the talks for the 2022 Global Gathering. This was awesome. I did think quicksand was going to be a much bigger problem. (laughs) How true is that? And that giant spider on Gilligan's Island. Yes, in the Bermuda Triangle. I was like, absolutely. (laughs) I was scared to death to get on a plane. Not that that was going to happen when I was a kid, but it was was terrifying. All those airplane movies. Oh my gosh, yes. So true. Why is it so much easier to act like a Christian than to react like one? That's the tweet. That was was the tweet. Sure. Mm. (sighs) We loved that. Mm Mm-hmm. Because life is so unfair <laughs> because of the root sin of it all, which is pride, because um, we are looking these days mm-hmm. on what's going to trigger us, what's going to offend us, what's going to leave us out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also think that there is an action response And there's a few points in scripture where somebody prayed in that moment, like Nehemiah, um, just before he approached the king. Mm -hmm. When the king said, why are you weeping? And he says, he prayed and then he spoke. Yeah. And if we could train ourselves for that little moment. Mm. I mean, scripture is so full of. That's so good. Yeah. Of how to not spew all over everybody in the moment. (laughs) If we just 
heated advice. So I loved it when you were talking about you may be walking wounded, but here's the word for you. You run. Yeah. You run. And I thought, what a beautiful thing that, that it's the last thing you would think to do when you're walking around wounded and yet run. And I loved that. <laughs> Thank mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. I, I, didn't run with I didn't run with it in the <laughs> message, but I was thinking if I were to see anybody at this conference running, now mm-hmm. it's a marathon, not a sprint. <laughs> but when was the last time you saw someone running that wasn't like out jogging? Right. If you did, you'd be like, something's up. Something's wrong. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah. The last time I ran was when my dog got loose. <laughs> you <Exactly>. know? Yeah. <laughs> and Get I bolted. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And you know, I'm mean, when COVID hit like everything went out the window for mm-hmm. me, like all my discipline and all my stuff. Um, and, and I wasn't physically wounded, mm-hmm. but I had no energy. Mm-hmm. And I think if we wait for the energy, if we wait to be prepared, um, we'll never get off the ground. We'll never run. That's so true. A friend of mine said, challenged me when I said he said if it's worth doing it's worth doing well Mm, mm -hmm. anything worth doing is worth doing right and I said you know what I don't believe that I said anything worth doing is worth doing because I think for me 90% of it is getting started you know the first step yeah a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step and so just the idea of get it going, mm-hmm. wounded or not. Yes. Obviously, just self-care, yes. shalom, um, Sabbath, right. all that stuff. But, um, but run. Don't, <laughs> if I wait till I feel like doing something, yes. all the stuff I really need to do will we never happen. We probably won't do it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And the last, the, the last part of the message where you were talking about joy being the act of love fulfilled. Yeah, love seen all the way through. Yeah, yes, love completed. I loved and, that. You know, the Boundaries book by Cloud and Townsend, mm-hmm. one of my favorites. So good. He, they, they were the ones that helped me realize um, our emotions are a signal given by God, even the bad emotions. Mm-hmm. You know, sorrow means you've lost something. Anger means someone's crossed your boundary and you need to confront it. Yes. Fear means someone's crossed your boundary and you need to get away. Yes. And I was so frustration. Uh, I preached a whole sermon on the emotional life of Jesus. And, oh, wow. And like frustration means something's something's wrong and you need to challenge your assumptions. Oh, that's good. You know what I mean? Uh-huh, like every yeah. emotion. So I was trying to think what, and I had, Easter was coming and I'm yeah. like, what is Easter? <laughs> Happiness, you know? Right, right. And then I was like, no, it's, it's for the joy set before him. And what did he do? He completed yeah. the gospel mission. So I'm like, yes. joy must be love seen all the way seen through. through. Mm-hmm. Matt, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so, so much for having me. So good to have you. Me.